Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight, and welcome to another episode of Getaway Day. This is episode eight. Uh, I am Mason. This is very obviously not Gautham. Uh, Gautham is on vacation tonight, so joining us is our good buddy, Matthew. So Matthew also went to uh, school with us. So Matthew, you want to give him a little intro about yourself? Sure. As Mason said, I'm Matthew. Um, two biggest things with me is I have two cats named Abbott and Costello. I haven't just figured out who's on first yet, though. Um, my team is the Cleveland Indians. And uh, why baseball for me is I played baseball since T-ball up through high school, got the love from my dad, and basically have never looked back. And so now you no longer play, but you obsess right. over watching the game, I right? obsess over the game, and I can remember almost every stat I ever read. I wonder what my brain would be like if I could actually do that with work. Uh, probably too scary for any normal human being to be around you. Oh, exactly. So let's just be glad that it's baseball. Plus, it allows you to be here with me tonight. So Agreed. we've got Glad a pretty pretty uh, fun-filled night, at least in my opinion. I know this is something that uh, Matthew Gautham and I have been talking about off and on um, for years, I guess, at this point. when When's the first time we talked about that? Two years ago now? At least. I might have even been three. Yeah. But so this is something that's kind of been on our mind for a while. Um, and there's been a lot of stuff coming out about possible relocation of the Oakland Athletics, um, news coming out about Major League Baseball's expansion fees. And it just seemed like a good time to put expansion, realignment, and possible relocation on the agenda for Getaway Day. So obviously we'll go through this week in baseball. Then we'll dive into our expansion uh, with the help of some visual aid um, that uh, the production value on the visual aid is kind of low. I apologize for that. Still improving. Um, so hopefully next time we do something like this, it'll be a lot more aesthetically pleasing. We're just using a Google Doc right now. So sorry. Um, no, unfortunately, PowerPoint skills are not on point for this one. This is uh, purely... Um, google sheets so it is all black and white it's it's gonna be rough looking um and then at the end we're actually gonna try something new uh we are going to try a little segment that i am going to call pitch clock and pitch clock is basically we are putting matthew on the spot since he is a guest and doesn't normally have any input into what we talk about i'm giving him five minutes of me on mute to just run wild and try and convince me of a thesis that he has come to the show with that I have not seen. Hopefully supported with facts. Or he's just going to insult the Cardinals the whole time and make me sad. We'll see which one. So Either way works out for me. Alright, so let's get right into it then. So this week in baseball. To me, Matthew, one of the biggest uh, things of this week is the injuries and the guys going on COVID IL. We had what two COVID outbreaks, one in San Diego, one in New York. Um, I know the Padres just in the series here this weekend against the Cardinals were missing Fernando Tatis, Will Myers, Eric Hosmer, Jerickson Profar and Jorge Mateo. So missing four starters and their key like bench speak guy all in the same series. 
don't remind me that they swept the Cardinals. That makes me sad, and I won't sleep tonight if you remind me, so we're going to skip over that part. Um, but then I think you know a little bit more about the New York situation. Yeah, there. the Yankees weren't hit as bad player-wise. Only Glaber was really missing from there, but they were hit with eight other staff and coach cases. Their pitching coach, first base coach, and third base coach, if I'm not mistaken, and then five other just team staffers around were hit with COVID. And I mean, it's pretty crazy that nine t- player or nine members of the Yankees, and then you listed five, I think, from the Padres. And that's just that the got players. this after all being fully vaccinated like that. Not all of them. Uh, some Not of all them. them. Uh, I think most of the ones for uh, San Diego were actually they didn't say which guys were and weren't vaccinated. But they said that some guys were being held out as a precaution because they weren't. Yeah. So I, it could be some staffers in that mix as well. Um, I don't have the exact numbers there. I just know that the starting lineup was pretty depleted. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you mentioned with the Padres, I think one of the craziest things about this year is how many teams are getting so desperate with players and they're missing so many guys. I read a stat that the Padres have used 39 different players in 41 games. Really? Yeah, and like you said, they just swept the Cardinals, and they're in second place in the NL West. What like, was the that's one incredible thing that teams? What was the one thing I told you not to remind me of? That was for the end segment. I thought that's a valid point. You are going to keep me up at night with that, aren't you? All right, fair point. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy though. Thirty thirty nine in forty one games. Mm-hmm. Jeez, and, and they're doing so well. They're like not missing a beat. Yeah, they're without Tatis for what half of those almost. Yeah, I mean roughly. Let's see. So they're they're now twenty four and seventeen. Twenty four and eighteen. That'd be forty one games is what I read. So it'd be twenty four seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Twenty four and seventeen. So yeah, and they're uh, second in their division, Mm -hmm. having used that many players. Usually, if you've used that many players, it's the end of the season. Or pretty and, close I mean, it's to one it. One thing that they've always said they've been having such a deep farm system, but it's one thing to have that, and another thing to actually like be well, able to bring up players and use them and fill to fill in for their stars. Well, and they haven't used their top guys. C.J. Right. Abrams is not debuted. Mackenzie Gore is not debuted. They've been doing it with just. I don't want to say random guys because it's not random guys. It's it's really good talent, um, especially in that system, but. It's not like the the key guys that you're like, they'll only come up if there's an injury. Well, there's been injuries. They've still not come up. Granted, with Gore, right. he's a pitcher, and he's a starter. So unless one of the starting five gets hurt, which they haven't. And I think yep. Denelson's pitching out of the pen right now. Cause Ryan, he came in in relief for Ryan Weathers yesterday. So like they have rotation depth built in already. So Gore, I'm not as surprised right. about. No, I think Abrams but, is maybe only at double A. So, but yeah. Uh, but COVID is not the only uh, IL stints that we've seen recently. We've got uh, Aaron Hicks and Corey Seager are both on the IL with hand injuries. Um, the Seager one is interesting because it actually goes into my next point. So we'll come back to that one. Uh, Stanton is now on the IL with a quad strain. So there goes one of the Yankees bombers again. Their um, best player right now. Yeah. No Not kidding. Close. How long until Judge is on the aisle again? Over under Probably the moment Stanton comes back. Over under five days. 
five and a half I mean, days. I guess. I'd, I'd say the day, the day Stan's activated, Judge probably goes on the IL. Sad as it is uh, to I mean, say. I, but. The other thing we had, we didn't have on our list, but I just read earlier was I think it was it was yesterday or earlier this week when the Phillies ran out of bench players because they were ravaged with injuries. Yeah. And they had to put an injured Bryce Harper who basically couldn't throw or hit into the fi- onto the field. That's something Gowie and I talked about a couple of weeks ago in these teams that are short benching. And so with the rule changes, one rule that went into effect, well, it was supposed to go into effect last year. Last year got a little bit screwed up was they were going to do a 26 man active roster. And the original intention was to make it so that you had to have, excuse me, um, had to have 13 pitchers and 13 hitters. And then COVID happened. They bumped it to 28 man, uh, but they did not specify um, that 14 and 14 was the split. And they just got rid of that part of the rule entirely, but kept the 26 man part. Right. So now teams are going and the Cardinals have been doing it and they almost had it yesterday. Um, cause I know, let's see, Edmundo Sosa came out at one point cause Tommy moved to short. Max Moroff came into second. That might've been a double switch, but Tyler O'Neill got hurt that same inning. Max Moroff took Carlson's elbow to the face and his lip was bleeding the entire rest of the game, but he stayed in. And then we played the last three and a half innings with two guys on the bench. So Almost ran into uh, a mean, short bench. Teams are pushing it incredibly close to the edge there, and I don't understand it. Yeah. Especially in the NL where you need those bench guys for pinch hitting. Exactly. And they had fought for this specifically to have another bench guy because they kept getting screwed with short bench by trying to carry 13, relie- or 13 yeah. uh, pitchers, eight relievers. And so they get this, and then what do they do? They go and they carry 14 pitchers. And are still short benched, and then they're gonna get all upset with that whenever they run into the case that they run out of guys. Exactly. It's like just That's use the cool. rule the way it was intended, mm-hmm. and you won't have a problem. You asked for it, they gave it to you. Now use it the way you asked for it. Yep. So I don't know. I agree with you. Um, let's see what else we got here. So Mason mentioned Stanton on the other side of the city. Uh, I was listening to the Mets game the other yesterday, and I think it was in the same inning that both McNeil and Conforto left with, in, with both with hamstring injuries, one on the left and one on the right. And not too often do you see players leaving the same inning with injuries. Very rare do you see them leave with the same injury. Yeah, that's a little bit uh, weird. Do they have a faulty roller thing for stretching I out their hammies? No kidding. But. Um, yeah. And then the one other, uh, big injury was, um, well, I don't know if it was a big injury, but something that could have led to a big injury. I haven't actually followed up on it. Uh, in the white Sox and Royals game on Friday, Friday. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Dozier hit a pop-up to the catcher then started running, uh, just kind of jogging to first base. Cause I mean, it was going to be caught. And Abreu's running in, and neither one of them was looking at each, like looking straight at where they were going, and they just ran straight into each other, hit the ground like a, a sack of bricks, and both of them that, were down for a, a hot minute yeah, before getting back that, up. That was a close play that could have resulted in a lot worse injuries than there were. Yeah, it's uh, kind of the same as the the Carlson Moroff, where Moroff got a bloody lip, and there, that was it. But 
Yeah, There's both been... players left that game. Uh, I know Abreu was back in the lineup the next day and actually went like two for four. Uh, Dozier because that was because that was the good slide it was on Saturday. Yep, Dozier I know was out Saturday. I don't know if he was back in the lineup on Sunday. Okay, yeah. So hopefully but... he's all right. And then we did have one more slide that could have led to an injury. It didn't, but it kind of came up on Twitter a lot today. People were sitting there tearing into Manny Machado yet again. It seems like that's the only thing people do anymore is just yell at Manny Machado for yeah. stuff. Um, he collided with Tommy Edmond yesterday on a, a ball that was hit to the uh, second baseman. Uh, he was playing second at the time, moved to shortstop later in the game. Uh, hit to second base, um, non-shifted. Um, Tommy charged on it, was going to throw to first, and this is about halfway between first and second. And uh, Machado just kind of hit the deck and tried to, like, ball up to kind of get out of the way of the throw. Took out Tommy's legs, got up, made sure Tommy was okay, and then went back to the to the uh, uh, dugout. But, yeah, today people were just putting Machado on blast, saying it was a dirty slide, similar to the one that took out Dustin Pedroia. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, I mean, it, it all goes back to years ago when the catcher's interference really became a thing because it's the same type of issue. And Pedroia, yeah. obviously, was never the same after he got taken out, and so everyone was just worried about that. Uh, what was interesting about the, sli- the slide, though, and everything is that uh, he took out Edmund, but if you watch the video closely – uh, Machado was never actually tagged out. Yeah, and he was basically out because he was out of the base paths. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought that was interesting in the moment, but I'm glad that he did that. Yeah. Like, as a, as a fan and as a, like, yeah, you didn't necessarily intentionally take him out by the legs, but he didn't get the double play, so at least you're like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, as a runner, you have a couple things there. Obviously, your first priority is I don't want to get hit by a – somebody throwing a baseball at my head so you go down but i mean you're also trying to avoid the out or prevent the the batter from getting out since you're pretty clearly going to get out yeah and but so but intentionally of, taking out a player to break up a double play is right. the part that's exactly illegal yeah, exactly. right now so and that's why so many people are outraged by it or thinking that machado did it on purpose yeah so um yeah so i I don't know i personally watching it live didn't think it was dirty watching it back it's like i could kind of see it but ultimately i i think it was a clean play there was no harm like no harm intended no harm ultimately done agreed i mean who knows what would have happened if edmund had to leave the game or place on the il or anything yeah then then it would be a little bit more of a was it dirty was it not but i think in this case everything ended up fine he yep. did actually make sure Tommy was okay before he left the field. It's like, yeah, it's probably just a natural instinct play. Um, steering away from uh, physical injuries, uh, something that hurt me emotionally, uh, Albert signed to a new team. It is the one team out of all of them that I despise the fact uh, that he signed with and albert is now wearing number 55 and batting cleanup for the los angeles dodgers so for him for albert in general that signing couldn't have came at a better time unfortunate to the dodgers but as you mentioned earlier with seager getting hurt 
this opens up the most regular playing time he could have gotten on pretty much any team in baseball. Yeah, because what Gavin Lux moves to short. Um, he just slides over to second from first, and which he's Albert's not played this year, but he played a lot in the last two years. Yeah. And Albert obviously won't play every day or anything, yeah. but mostly a lefties. lefty. He hit yeah. lefties pretty well in LA. I think he had three homers and twenty some plate appearances. So that's his wheelhouse right now. And I think the and, Dodgers have the lowest OPS against left-handed pitchers yet yeah. this year. So and so and obviously the Dodgers are ravaged with injuries as well. And so once they start to get guys back, his playing time will decrease a lot. But in the interim and until then, he's got a perfect setup going. Yeah. So wishing Albert luck there and uh, on the Dodgers. I can't personally root for him anymore this year. He signed with the uh, team that I hate more than the Yankees. Uh, and it, it's it's the Cubs and then very close to that, the Dodgers. And then like a... Sort of close, but still distant. Giants, Yankees, everyone else. So Albert got heavily cheered when he returned to St. Louis. Was it last year? Two years ago? Two years ago, I think. Yeah, two years ago. With the Angels. Yeah. The Dodgers play there in July, I'm pretty sure. Oh, he'll still get the ovation. You know he will. David Freeze got it when he was in um, L.A. Like, he'll get it. It's it's the player, not the team they're on. Mm -hmm. So... And, I mean, honestly, I'm still going to be rooting for him. I still want him oh, to hit course. as many home runs as possible. Now that he's back on a team, I can actually put up my home, or my Albert home run tracker, which is now at 667. So, and in case you didn't see it today, he did say he has no intention of retiring at the end of the season. Yep, that is fully expected. So he will not get a starting job next year. No. Unless the NL gets the DH, in which case maybe bench for the Cardinals. Um, now, one of Albert's now former teammates uh, is an absolute beast. Shohei Otani, I, I know we talk about him a lot. The dude is just doing stuff that is just unnatural. This time, it, it was purely with his bat. Uh, the Angels were down 5-4 uh, to four in, with two outs in the top of the ninth to the Astros. Down to their last out, Otani at bat, one guy on. He blasts a two-run home run to take the lead, and I believe they did win that game. Um, so Otani is winning games on the mound, at the plate. He's just nuts. I, I love that guy. And unfortunately, we can't even make our Twitter account, uh, Shohei Otani Stan account, because we're already for Ramon Laureano, and that would be cheating. I mean, Otani so. is just an incredible player. I mean, it's hard to find a better duo than Trout Otani with what Otani's doing on both well, sides. Well, and throw Jared Walsh in there, Albert's replacement. That yep. team is really... If they could find any other pitchers than Otani, they would be a dangerous Is team. Dylan Bundy not pitching well this year so far? I've not really looked at his stat line. I haven't seen close, but, I mean, everything I see with them is just... They have all, and you look at their players, they have all the tools in the world in the field and at the plates. They just can't keep, they're, they're the epitome of we're going to try and out hit everybody. Oh wait, that doesn't work. Yeah. Well, especially when you only have three guys that hit for power. Everyone has always said pitching wins ballgames. Yeah. Very rarely does it work. Well, in this year it does with uh, the MLB average is like 232 or something. Mm -hmm. 
So yep. pitching really does win. There's been four no-hitters and one unofficial no-hitter. Mm-hmm. So uh, another cool thing that happened, uh, we saw an infield triple. Cedric Mullins, guy that I was uh, had a lot of hopes his rookie season that he was going to be awesome for a terrible team, and then he was terrible for a terrible team has somehow found it in him to be every bit of what I expected him to be. He hit a pop-up to uh, shallow left. Xander Bogarts went back for it. It bounced in the webbing of his glove, bounced out, and then he hit it with the side of his glove twice and bobbled it, and then it hit the ground. And throughout that entire thing, Mullins had made it to second, uh, the left fielder and the third baseman are now around Bogarts in the ball, picking it up, trying to th- figure out who to throw it to in the infield. There's nobody at third, and Mullins has speed, so he just went to third on essentially an infield triple because it was really, really shallow left. Oh, yeah. So that was cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, that epitomizes the hustle plays and why you never give up on a play. Exactly. Yeah, he uh, he is definitely our hustle player of the week. Um mm-hmm. So I know two weeks ago, I think that was our big, uh, our big topic. So if you haven't seen that one, go check it out. Episode, no, that was episode five. That was three weeks ago, I think. It's episode six. We rebuilt the Rockies. Also check that one out. Um, we didn't rebuild them, but we said they should. Uh, and then the last thing on this week in baseball, uh, before we dive into expansion, uh, Two of our prospects that we talked about last week, and Jared Kelnick um, and Logan Gilbert, debuted in the same game. Gilbert got the bump uh, to start the game, and Kelnick got the uh, left field start. Um, unfortunately, Zach Plezak took a no-hitter into the eighth Eight. inning. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was, it was a rough debut for both. I think Gilbert gave up four runs. Three or it four. four. It sounds yeah, about I think it right. Was four runs and only about five innings. And then uh, Kellenick went 0 for 3 after the Josh Naylor robbed him in the stands. In the, oh, the that was ball, so infuriating. That was an incredible catch. It, On the first pitch, too. He didn't even get a chance there. Is that going to um, single handedly get Naylor a gold glove? That one play? Probably. It'd be like a Marcelo Zuna gold glove, basically. Exactly. But, just give it to him for that. You'll just look at the highlights. That one highlight. Just give yeah, it outweighs him. all of the bad misplays. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, good but thing no. for Kellenick, though, is that he ended up going three for three or three for four the next day I with think three, three extra for four. hits. Oh, yeah. The other cool thing about Kellenick, uh, he debuted hitting leadoff. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's a pretty pretty cool thing there. Gilbert got the start in his debut, and Kellenick hit lead off the same game so the top two prospects or one and three prospects of that club debuting basically at the exact same time it was it was pretty cool uh in the official list since we're at 19,992 now as of today um mlb debuts uh cespedes family barbecue tracks them on their uh twitter page it's a pretty cool thing um they're writing about it too go check it out um Gilbert did technically debut before because he actually saw action in the field first. Yep. So, all right. Got any other last minute uh, this week in baseball topics? Are you ready to roll straight into expansion? Let's get started on expansion. All right. So this is where I need to um, 
click on some buttons here so that you guys can actually read that. I think. All right, uh, chat, let me know if you guys can read that fine. Also, yes, I do have my Trash Pandas logo here. I love it. All right, cool. Can read it. All right, so basically what we're uh, looking at doing today is there's been a lot of talk in the last, what, two weeks? About, yeah, the last two weeks about um, relocation fees, or not relocation fees, expansion fees, uh, Major League Baseball telling Oakland to start looking into relocation because their stadium project is being stalled, um, a, a bunch of stuff like that. And so it seemed like a good opportunity for us to dig up this old conversation that we had on how would we, how would you even do an expansion in Major League Baseball? So I, I guess the the quick explanation of why it becomes difficult is in 2015 they did the realignment from 14-16 in the leagues to being split evenly at 15-15 moving houston from the national league central to the american league west um so it became five teams in every division well, now if we expand, we want to expand in even numbers. So you're adding two new teams going to 32. Well, do you go to having a lopsided division in each each league again? Do you realign divisions? What do you do? So we kind of thought the, the most uh, logical thing to do would be basically align it like the NFL. The NFL does a lot of things right. For everything they do wrong, they do a lot of things right. And I kind of think alignment is one that they did right. So we're going to go into this with the assumptions that we have uh, four divisions in each. We're keeping the names the same for the Central. We're not going to rename them the North. Um, But we are adding the American League and National League Souths, which I forgot to change this to an S. Um, Now, that being said... We're talking two new teams, and Oakland has been told to start looking into relocation, and for years, it sounds like MLB wants Tampa to move, because Tampa is not a very good market. They're not getting anything in in Tampa Bay. They're not getting a new stadium. They're not getting what they need, and from what I've heard, it sounds like Manfred basically said, until Tampa, New York, and Oakland are figured out no expansion talks are happening. So we yeah. got to figure out what, so we got to figure out what we're doing with those two teams before we can talk about where the uh, two new teams are going to be. All right. So then uh, actually, do you want to go ahead and type? Cause you don't have the clicky clack. Sure. Um, yeah. So then we've got Oakland and Tampa Bay as our relocation candidates. Are there any other relocation candidates you can think of? There, there's not really any that I could think of off the top of my head think there's anyone that's really pushing it to be i can see some teams strong arming their cities into new ballparks but i can't imagine any city right now i mean you want to talk about a team that could potentially relocate but i don't think they ever will is cleveland yeah i mean they'll see new ownership at some point i think they'll see new ownership and i think an owner might be interested in um uh moving the team but i don't think baseball or anyone around will let that happen yeah and honestly it's i i think it would be a boneheaded decision to move the team anyway agreed 
like there's got passionate fans i mean and it's a relatively some of, some good market fair, some of them are fair weather fans but they've got passionate fans at the same time yeah so. you, you and your dad the yeah. the only two but um there's only so four people in Cleveland, other so yeah. so i don't think there's any other teams that are out there that really are looking to move yeah um so then that begs and uh, brings into the question what new cities could we even possibly move to so major league baseball has already kind of uh come to the conclusion that all of the major markets are gone new york has two teams la has two teams chicago has two teams and those are really the only three american cities that could support multiple teams for baseball um we've got all the other like mid-level or like other big markets like Boston, I mean, maybe they could support another team, but that kind of whole yeah. region of the U S has kind of got a lot. I mean, so you'd have four teams within a couple hours of each other. That's yeah. So it doesn't really seem like a good, good move to put another team there with two in Pennsylvania, two in New York. You got one in Baltimore, one in DC, yep. one in Boston. So you kind of need to get to an area that's not the Northeastern seaboard. So now you have to start looking at new cities. Well, Kansas City's got a team. St. Louis has got a team. Um, see what other? I mean, Tampa's got a team, but obviously we don't really care about them so much. So yeah, we're I mean, telling them not, to move. You're not looking at like Jacksonville or anything. New Orleans probably doesn't have a good enough market there. Yeah, I mean, at least not for baseball. Yeah. So it's like so. A lot. This has been a topic that's kind of come up a lot, um, just in other circles. And I know the four cities that keep coming back up are Montreal, which um, Montreal is obviously has the ability to support a team. The Expos were there for what thirty something years, forty years, mm-hmm. so they can do it, and they want a team. They've been trying to get one for years back in there. Um, yep. Plus, it'd be cool to have two Canadian teams for a rivalry, in my opinion. But um, Let's see. Then the other big ones are Portland, Oregon, um, Nashville, Tennessee, and Las Vegas, Nevada, which is potentially the biggest market out of the bunch here. Um, Definitely. I mean, when you think relocation in any sport, the first name now that betting is legalized is Vegas. Exactly. I mean, everyone wants to go to Vegas. And people didn't think it was a viable market for regular sports because so many people are in and out. But they got the Knights. Now they've got the Raiders. And both of those have very loyal fan bases. Yep. So. And, I mean, there's 81 home games you're looking at in Vegas. You could get 40,000 fans times 81. That's how many unique people you might see at a game. And there, baseball you'll is. You'll get a new one every game. And baseball is really a really good sport for live betting mm-hmm. because there's time between pitches, there's time between innings. So it kind of seems like the perfect sport for Vegas, really. It, it's definitely there. So, so. yeah, right. others I've heard, but I don't think are going to be serious contenders are Charlotte to add another East Coast team there. Uh, Vancouver, but that would more or less... I, it'd be very difficult to do Vancouver and Portland. And I don't think you're giving two new teams to Canada. So you'd basically be scrapping Portland and Montreal if that's the case. Yeah. Um, personally, Which... I think San Antonio is a good, a good fit. I know it's hard with Houston and Texas already there. 
but it's kind of a middle ground. And I think it was the final four a couple years ago that, ho- right. that San Antonio hosted. And it was awesome there. And everyone just raved about the city being able to host events like that. Yeah. Um, I personally, living in Indianapolis, would love to see a team come to Indy. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I'm sure that'll never happen. Yeah, I would love that too. The biggest problem with that is you're currently in uh, blackout zones and within just a couple hours, really an hour and a half of Cincinnati, you're three hours from Chicago where there's two teams. You're about three and a half to four hours from St. Louis. Um, we're like uh, here in central southern Indiana, you're like, I don't know, 30 miles from where, well, I guess it'd be right at the Indiana borders where the blackout zone for the Cardinals ends. But even down south um, of Indy, about 50 miles, you're still in a blackout zone for both uh, Chicago teams. Yeah. I mean, it's not realistic. Like you say, we're too close, too central to a bunch of other teams around us. But being a baseball fan, I don't know what I would do if there was a team 30 that I could drive 20 minutes to every day to go watch a game. Yeah. I mean, Louisville would be a good, good option if you're trying to get one in, in the region. Right. But that's but only like 45 minutes or an hour from Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. Actually, it's probably not even an hour. It's only like 25, 30 minutes, isn't it? Right. It's too close. Yeah. It's one of those things, so. which is why Nashville makes so much sense. Yeah. You and and Nashville a little bit more. And Nashville is a big tourist destination as well. Growing city, so it kind of is a good yep. spot. I mean, Dombrowski was there for a year, a year plus, trying to working with a group to get a team there. Yeah. Or to, to so. get the city ready for a team. Yeah. Which, if they put it there next to downtown, that would be huge. Yep. But, plus, they so, have a AAA team now. Um, yep. But for this, go ahead and put um, Charlotte and San Antonio in the new cities list. Um, I know I didn't personally use those in my thing here. I did not but, either. Uh, yeah. All right. But and honorable so mentions. Just to sh- show this pers- for my purpose, I personally put Oakland going to Vegas and Tampa Bay going to Nashville. Yeah, I believe that's what I did as well with Montreal and Portland getting new teams. Correct. Yep, that's so, the way I did it. All right. So I guess the the from here, let's, oh, so I guess the, the expansion fee, I hadn't mentioned that. So – the two new teams here would have to pay an expansion fee of uh, Major League Baseball is saying right now the median value, or not the median, the mean value um, or average value for uh, of the Major League franchise values right now, which when you factor in the big market teams like both New York teams, both Chicago teams, the Dodgers, Boston, um, even the Cardinals who have an insane value for the size of the market they're in, inflates it to $2.2 billion for just the expansion fee to the league just to have a team. That's not including anything about um, infrastructure, no stadium, no initial um, payroll, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so Manfred said, like you said, the $2.2 billion just to get the team. And then if with this team, you obviously are going to want a top-of-the-line stadium. That can cost you up to another two billion dollars. So that's four billion and, just to get the rights to a team and a stadium. And two billion is on the cheap side for a stadium because, as we mentioned, Oakland's trying to get a stadium, 
uh, built in Oakland. They've actually got a rendering. I'll show it on the screen here real quick. It looks amazing. Unfortunately, talks have been stalled since about 2019 with the uh, the port that they would be, uh, well, with the port of Oakland, I believe. But this is the stadium they're proposing. It is a $12 billion stadium complex. So it is not cheap. So $12 billion yeah. versus $2 billion for like the the smallest, right. nicest, cheap stadium you could build. Yeah. And a big thing for people that don't know is like owners aren't the one paying for this. Most of the time. Yes. Most of the time it is the city floating the bill here. And that's why it's so difficult for teams to get these new stadiums is that the city has to agree to, in this case, $12 billion to, to mortgage themselves with. Or at least and, to share it. So they right. don't do the whole thing. The team does usually or, pay yes, some. the team pays and, some, but... And they rent it, it is, as well, yeah. so... But, I mean, the the, uh, the Rams had a big uh, thing in uh, St. Louis when I, or before they moved back to L.A., um, where they were trying to get the city to pay for an $800 million uh, riverfront stadium that was fully funded by the city. The city was still paying off the last stadium that they built for the Rams, and uh, they so the Rams basically voided their contract, which there's a big lawsuit about did they do it legally, did they do it illegally, whatever. I'm going to stay out of that because it makes me very upset. Anyway, they moved to L.A., and then built a $6 billion stadium with the owner's money. So they can afford it. They're actually richer than anybody. Um, but they prefer not to. So they'll leverage the city for as much money as they can for the stadium before paying into it. So that is a big thing here. So really, the city has to look at a $2.2 billion expansion fee, which if they even did the median value would still be 1.75 to 1.8 billion dollars if you just went for like what the 15th most valuable team in the league is it would yeah. still be almost 2 billion yeah but, and the other thing is those that's just expansion numbers if you're talking about Oakland and they want to move the estimates right now are about a billion dollars just to relocate to a new city and then you have to pay 2 billion dollars to build a new stadium so then you're looking at yeah. almost 3 billion just to move the team yeah. Now, obviously, that's a lot less than $12 billion for a new stadium, but that's still a lot of money. It is. Yeah, I mean, w when you're talking, like, less than a billion to build a stadium, it puts cities in financial distress. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking in the multiple billions, that's, that's a lot of money. So, yep. oh, yeah. Um, what were you saying? Oh, I was going to say, and then the other thing you mentioned there is all the major markets are gone. So you have to find the right type of market that can support that and recoup that value fast enough. Yeah. So really, um, well, no, that one's taken too. Never mind. Ignore that thought. So you just got to find the right right combination is what they're they got to figure out and find yeah. the right right group of people there to bring the team to where it needs to be. Yeah. All right. So with all of that background and. Did have one other point. Nope, that's not it. Where is the button? Uh, oh, nope. That's what it was. I was going to show the stadium, and I did. Cool. Uh, yeah, so with all that being said, I guess let's get into how we would realign this. So we've already said we're going with four divisions in each. So we'll break it up into divisions of four. 
ideally, Major League Baseball has probably some of the best rivalries in sports. Like, period. Is that a fair statement? I think so. I mean, it's hard. Some people just don't get it because you play so often. But until you go to, like, a Yankees-Red Sox series and see how much those fans really hate each other. Or even Cardinals-Cubs, where you don't necessarily hate each other as people, but everything they stand for, you do. I mean, look at look at me and Gotham. Yeah, we're we're exactly. like the best case scenario. Like, <laughs> he is my no offense to you, he's my best friend. Um, but I despise like most of the things he stands for. Uh, Gowie, if you're lurking in the chat, shout out to you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so keeping those rivalries is good for baseball, especially with baseball being a quote unquote dying sport. You don't want to break those up. So with these realignments, we want to keep as many of those as possible intact. Uh, We're trying to keep it geographic because you are likely going to be playing teams more often um, or the teams in your division more often. So you want it to stay kind of closer so that it's less wear and tear on the players. Um, And I think there's a couple of rivalries we could actually start that would be really kind of cool to see. Yep. So that being said, uh, I'll go ahead and propose mine and then you propose yours and then we'll come up with our ultimate solution and put it here. Sounds good. All right, cool. So my proposal is, Oh, I didn't copy in the cities there. Um, let me just delete these real quick. Delete, delete. All right. So my proposal is for the American league. We are introducing one new team. Moving a team, uh, moving. I think you got a renaming there. Yes, I do have a renaming. Uh, I had one National League team come over, which means I had one. Oh, yeah, I'm sending one National League team to the American League and one American League team to the National League to kind of help with the geographic thing there um so what i've done here is the american league east that's a great division right now i don't want to mess it up the only team that doesn't really fit there is tampa which as we've already said tampa's moving so they're out right away so we're keeping the american league east minus tampa stays the same the american league central is basically staying the same the team that i've removed uh, is the Kansas City Royals. I personally really like the Royals uh, as a franchise. They're a franchise that always tries, even though they don't have money. They are oh, really they good. Now. Do they? They have, more, they have more money now with their new owner. Now, he it's... was a minority owner at Cleveland, and he actually had a, a plan to buy the team. And then when, But he's from Kansas City, and when Kansas City went for sale, he had to jump on the ad opportunity. Okay, that makes sense. So Kansas City has more money now than they did, but their market is still really small. So their income is really not that high. They'll always be a profit-sharing team. So um, I have a lot of love for the Royals franchise, but they get booted from their, their division. Um, we are sticking with the White Sox, the uh, what I'm calling the Cleveland Spiders, um, Detroit, and Minnesota. So that division is pretty much intact. 
So now we go to the West. Um, the West is about half what is currently the American League West. Uh, actually, three quarters what is currently the American League West, and we get the new team. So I'm bringing in Seattle, Portland, moving Oakland to Vegas. Uh, I guess I should put Vegas, parentheses, Oakland, but you get the point. Uh, and the Angels. And then the brand new South. Yeah. Uh, the brand new South is the Arizona Diamondbacks, who don't really have a good rival, period. No. Um, Houston, who has already moved divisions once in the last five years, so they can do it again. Plus, I want to keep them with Texas because I think that could be a good rivalry, keeping it in-state, in-league. Um, Kansas City, and unfortunately, just that's where they had to land. Plus, it kind of just makes sense geographically with the teams that we're talking here. So them in Arizona would likely get the the big rivalry there. Uh, moving to the National League, uh, I have moved Tampa to Montreal. Um, Tampa had talked at one point of doing a half the season Montreal, half the season Tampa Bay for I think what we were calling the Montreal Bay Expo Rays. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll just go ahead and full on move them to Montreal uh, and then keep the Mets uh, in the East and Philadelphia um, will stay in the East. And then we're actually going to bring in Pittsburgh for an in-state rivalry there with Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Um, those games in the NFL, I like a lot. I think those two cities hate each other. So it would be really fun to watch them play a lot each year. Um, the central therefore is staying the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers and the Cardinals. Cause I think that is just kind of like the, the perfect central division there. I mean, the Cardinals and the Cubs have a big rivalry and then the Reds and the, the Brewers have their own rivalries with the Cardinals and the Cubs and a little bit each other, not so much there, but it's always a competitive division. The teams are always trying. Uh, some may argue the Reds try less. I disagree. I think they try. They just have their own limitations. Um, and geographically, it way. makes sense. And then the West is staying the same, except for Arizona, who moved to the AL. Uh, and then the brand new South is going to be Atlanta, Miami, the uh, Washington Nationals, which is kind of the most obscure out of that region, but I think it still works um, geographically. And then either Nashville or Charlotte. I think Nashville is the most likely to get the team. But either way, that division it still works. makes a lot of sense. Yep, Nashville or so, Charlotte there. It doesn't matter which one. Both yeah. fit. So that's mine. Uh, you want to go ahead and walk us through yours? Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. you'll notice Two. it's very similar. Um, we can ignore this. Oh, we can ignore the G and H columns for now. That's a secondary proposal I have. Um, and actually, we might not even really need to go through this. I think Mason and I had the same exact initial divisional alignment here. Um, which you're, we did. You're right. I am going to hate you for your secondary one. So this was the first one, which is also what Mason went through. Is It was my best case at keeping divisions together, rivalries together, and not gumming up the works pretty much with by changing too much in baseball. Biggest thing I couldn't get past, though, was the Nationals. They just didn't fit for me in the South. Like, they're too far north. 
they're up there right there with Baltimore. Like, it was just hard to stick them there. Atlanta, Nashville, Miami. Miami just messes up everything. I mean, if, if Miami wasn't so far south, it wouldn't be as big a deal. But it's Miami that caused me the most problems. So, I made a second di- National League divisional alignment that focused a little bit more on geographics than anything else. And so I flipped three teams here. I moved Washington from the south back to the east. I moved bumped Pittsburgh from the east back to the central. And then the one team from the central that made sense to move south was the Cardinals. And so I pushed them down to the NL, to the National League South. So counterpoint, though, Pittsburgh is kind of a ways out there to the east. It really never made sense in the NL Central anyway. Um, so I I kind of struggle to bring them back into the Central and say it makes the most sense geographically just because they're so far out there, whereas St. Louis to Chicago is about three, and a, well, uh, five hours. Um, Chicago to, uh, Cincinnati is about four and a half, five hours. Cincinnati to St. Louis is about the same. And Milwaukee's only an hour North. It, I mean, it doesn't make sense to break Washington them up. Are the, hard ones. the, the other thing I would say that could, uh, kind of maybe convince you that Washington makes sense in the South is one Washington DC is Virginia and Maryland, which is not really that far North. It's about midway. It's about the same uh, kind of latitude as St. Louis. Don't quote me on that exactly because I'm just trying to remember a map off the top of my head. Didn't look it up. If anyone in the chat wants to go ahead and look up the latitudes of those and tell me if they're about the same. Washington is a little bit more north, but it's close. Yeah. But, I mean, Virginia was also in the south back in the Civil War, so it's like, eh, culturally it fits more. I think culturally is the the fit there more than geographically. Plus, all these others are on the eastern seaboard anyway, especially if you bring in Charlotte. Because Charlotte and D.C. are not that far apart, ultimately. So really, then, the question is, which Pittsburgh... So I have a hard time excluding... Like, because one of the things you mentioned was travel time, playing in their division. I mean, New York to Washington... New York down to Washington is probably a few hours... Like, a few hours to drive that um it is under four hours drive time all right so you're, you're talking about three teams that are basically in a line there straight down mm-hmm. and pittsburgh's pretty far out i mean you're talking about the opposite side of Pennsylvania philadelphia there yeah and but from from philly it's ultimately only what three hours So really, you're trying to find the centroid of a of a circle or an oblong or something. You're not really looking at straight line distances. You're trying to concentrate in regions. Right. And it's just tough for me to say that Washington is a better... If Charlotte was the team over Nashville, I can get on board more with Washington. But Nashville being there throws a little bit more of a wrench into it. Okay, how about this? 
I, I hate to do it from a rivalry standpoint because I do think there's some pretty good um, rivalries with this team, but Cincinnati, Nashville, Atlanta, Miami. Keep St. Louis, Chicago, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and the Central. Because Cincinnati would be a lot better than St. Louis from a geographic and travel time standpoint. Problem is, one of the reasons I moved Pittsburgh to the Central was because of its proximity to Cincinnati as one of the other Central teams. And if you get rid of Cincinnati as that other Central team, you're really your closest team that is probably Chicago from Pittsburgh. Yeah, it is. And that's the hard part. I I agree that Cincinnati, Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Louis is the ideal geographic setup for the Central, but there's this one it's just this Pittsburgh Washington thing that I couldn't it just felt too out of place for Washington. It was just awkward for them to have to travel um down to let's say Atlanta's there probably their closest. Yeah. Or Charlotte. I mean, that's ten hours. And which well, is actually, I said, if Charlotte... probably Nashville would be their closest. Uh, other than if Charlotte wasn't there and Nashville was. I think Nashville's probably closer than Atlanta. A little bit longer actually. Really? No, that's just drive time. I don't know what actual is, but we they fl- obviously they'd fly. And like I said, if Charlotte was there I would have a much easier time putting DC there because it goes in that kind of same line of Washington down to Charlotte, down to Atlanta, and then Miami's it, just it moves gone. the centroid of your focal point. Yeah, yeah. But going all the way down to Atlanta and Nashville, every time they have to travel in division was hard for me. Yeah. While St. Louis is much closer travel time to those two. Yeah. I was I was trying there for a little bit to find a way to put St. Louis and Kansas City in the same division. That uh, would be a cool little in-state rivalry. But I, I do kind of like that being your uh, interleague rival as well. Because right. I do think that is a thing that I think you could almost do a little bit better now is since you have... Um, I, I mean, no, right now they're trying the to South, do... In the South, that puts them as prime intradivisional uh, opponents... Yeah, I don't know. I I also do think that there's always one oddball. You can never get it exactly perfect. Hell, the Dallas Cowboys are in the NFC East. Yeah, that well, doesn't make sense best. at all. When you have Atlanta, mm-hmm. put Atlanta in the East, Eastern Seaboard, the not Eastern Seaboard now, would be the South. But other option, which Houston throws a little bit of a wrench into. Uh, no, never mind. That doesn't work out. Introducing San Antonio, moving Kansas City to the or Arizona to the AL West. San Antonio instead of Portland, put it in the AL South. Have three Texas uh, I, teams I was, in Arizona, or I three was, Texas teams in Kansas City. Sorry. I was trying to think if there'd be a way to flip St. Louis almost, or somebody from the NL South over to the AL South. St. Louis is not going to the AL. Period. I will I, not have it. <laughs> They wouldn't have it either. No, they would not. And I don't really think they would ever leave the Central. But it was one of those, I was trying to come up with the best geographic option there. So I think, ultimately, uh, because there are a couple other topics with relocation expansion I think we should hit on real quick. Mm -hmm. 
ultimately, I do think this is kind of our best scenario that we've come up with. Knowing that Washington might be the oddball, but only having one oddball versus multiple. This AL South is a little wonky, but I think it would grow on people over time. Yeah, it's a, it's a little mismatch there, but... Yeah, but that's because all those teams are... Well, two of those teams are kind of just mismatched anyway. They're not perfect yeah. for any one division. So this is the... And yeah. even geographically, this kind of makes sense. Even Minnesota also throws a wrench into everything because they're close to nobody. Yeah, I mean... You can, there's no other option than the AL Central. Like, that is the only teams they are close to. Like, you can I mean, theoretically push them a little closer to the NL Central, but, like, you'd have to... If you really wanted to move them, you'd have to redo everything. Like, start from scratch. And... I mean, you could do a tit-for-tat Minnesota for Milwaukee, but that just kind of ruins a whole bunch of rivalries and Minnesota's stuff that I don't got like. got enough of a rivalry going already with the rest of these three other Central teams that's... It it should stay the way. Yeah, and with it already being in that division, it it seems okay to leave it. the The travel's not going to be like obscene. They do it already. So yes. All right. So yeah. So we'll go ahead and I think if I switch to this, it should leave that up. Cool. It does. Uh. So I guess the last couple things that I wanted to talk about with expansion is expansion is more than just what divisions do we put teams in. How do how does the season work? Um, how many games do you play against each uh, team? Which I don't think we actually thought about. Um, so that one would be a little weird because right now I think you play what 18, 19 games in, against division opponents. I think that makes sense. So would that stay the same? Would that go up? Would what would you do? I think I would leave it the same and play more against other divisions. Yeah, I mean, you can only play three teams so many times. Yeah, so I mean, I, I kind of think 18 makes sense to me, and then maybe you play we... your interleague opponent a few more times than you do now. I think now it's like yeah. five games or six games. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think we talked about actually lowering the number of divisional games. Did we? Um, I don't remember entirely. We had a, we had a lot of different conversations during that drive yeah. when we first talked about this, and uh, I, I mean, I'm all for playing more uh, teams throughout the rest of the various their respective leagues. Like, I mean, you look at Cleveland as an example; they can go and beat the AL Central, but that means nothing come playoff time. I'd rather have them show what they can see, what they can do against the rest of the AL. Like, what's a three-game series against New York when you've only played them twice all year? Like, yeah, which show, is get some more. Which is why I think variety. you take those eighteen games and you just start breaking them up a little bit more, and basically do what the NFL does, where you play a specific division each year yeah. um, from the other division and or from the other league conference, whatever it is in the particular sport you're talking about. Um, in this case, it'd be league, NFL, conference. Um, and you basically break up those 18 games against those other teams. So you'd have 4-4-4, four, 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 well, 4-4-5-5 four, four, five, and five extra games against those teams. So uh, you could do that. Um, but I think the biggest thing that would change is playoffs. Because now all of a sudden you have two more teams, so they're already trying to expand playoffs, which kind of works, kind of doesn't. Yeah, I mean, right now we're looking at the three division leaders and then two 
wildcard teams that do the one game playoff. So really we're looking at four playoff teams in the end that actually go on for multiple games in a series. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know. I, I kind of think ultimately what we had settled on, at least in the first time we debated, this was kind of going on an NFL style having it. So you have six teams that ultimately make the, um, make the playoffs and play more than one game. So you'll have four division leaders, two wild card teams who come from the field as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So once the it kind of you can kind of imagine it as the NBA model a little bit, where divisional leaders are guaranteed playoff spots, and then the wild card is picked from the rest of the field as a whole. Yeah, which is how it's done now. Division. Just this would right. be with more teams. Yeah, um, we can't go away from wild cards or anything. Yeah, so we have the top two division leaders get first round buys. Which I think is fair. You're the best you team in the league. To. Yeah. Because one game wild cards, I think you, me, and Gowie are all on board with they suck. They don't prove anything at all. lucky. Yeah, basically. It's whose starter didn't have to get overworked to get you into that game. I, I mean, as much as I wasn't a fan of the expanded playoffs, the one thing it did right at least was give everyone a three-game series. Yeah, so, and then, but I mean, three-game series are not ultimately the best either. They do a better job than a one-game, but a five-game right. is really where it's at. Because agreed, you could you see the full four-man rotation, mm-hmm. usually, unless it's a sweep. But if it's a sweep, then clearly one team was overmatched. It makes sense that they're eliminated. Right. So. I think what we had talked about is the fir- or the top two division leaders receive first round buys. The third division leader, by winning percentage slash record, depending on if it's like last year where the Cardinals played three less games. Um, the third division leader plays the second wild card team, so basically doing it with seeding, where the best available plays the worst available, and then the last. Division leader plays the top wild card team. Yep. And the. I think we said three game series for those, even though I don't think we wrote it down. Five I don't game think series. We... Five game? I thought the second division. Second... Oh. oh, the five game. Uh, third division leader plays second wild card, and fourth division leader plays the first wild card in a three game series. Okay. Yeah, my yeah. bad. So. It... Then... Basically, we're All... expanding from. One five seven seven to three five seven seven is what we're doing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Which, I mean, like you said, three isn't great, but baseball can only expand so much in their series, and I don't uh, think it's... it makes sense to have the first round equivalent with wild cards equivalent to the next divisional series round. Yeah, and and it's a step in the right direction where it can grow to be better as needed. Yeah, and baseball playoffs are already about a month long, sometimes a little over, depending on if all the series go to seven or to the five. Uh, it's a lot of numbers. Length. Max length, thank you. That's a lot better than trying to remember all the numbers. Um, so, yeah, I kind of think that's how we would handle the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. then how do you stock those teams? Yep, so... For- 
this hasn't been done since 1997, which was the last expansion draft. They actually did two expansion drafts in what a matter of like five years. Uh, 92 and 97, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so the last two was Tampa Bay and Arizona, actually. And before that was Colorado and Miami? Yep, I think so. Or Florida back then. Well, yeah, the, the um, Marlins. Yeah, so basically we're not going to change anything with the draft. It worked well for both, all four of those new teams, and so why change what ain't broken? Especially um, since we're only going up by two more teams. Two teams are relocating, but they already have an entire franchise. Exactly. It's just relocating now, the major league team. Yeah. With the new way of prospect hoarding is happening, it wouldn't surprise me if some of these rules change, but for the most part, I th- we're going to say they're going to stay the same. Abbott or so, Costello appearance? This is Abbott who made his appearance. Um, so to start, every team is going to draft 35 players. There will be a, it'll be a three round draft starting with, uh, 14 players drafted in the first round, 14 in the second round, and then seven in the third round. Uh, so teams will have a limited protected list that they can use. Uh, so for the first round, that will be 15 players on their entire organization can be protected. Um, and then after each round, three new players can be added. So it says entire organization, but it's not really an entire organization. So if a player has any uh, minor or major league experience, um, they are automatically eligible and you have to protect them if you want. doesn't matter if you got one day or one year. You're, you have to be protected. Uh, it gets a little different or a little hairier when you talk about um, minor leaguers who don't have experience. So if you're drafted aged or signed aged 18 or older if you have been in the minors for less than three for three or fewer years 19 you do not have to be protected nobody can draft you so torkelson who was taken last year by detroit draft by detroit first overall he would not be eligible for the expansion draft if it happened after this year because he's under that three-year service time yeah Um, it's it's 19 or older not 18 or older 18 18 or younger has an extra year yep So you talk and then 18 or under has to be four years. So you look at an example of Wander Franco. He was signed at age 17. So if uh, and we look at him, I believe he is currently in his fourth year. So technically, if there was an expansion draft after 2021, he would have to be protected by Tampa Bay in order for them to not lose him, yeah. even though he has never played a game of the majors. Yeah. And so for... Um... Like for the Indians, I know Carson Tucker would not be available, but would Bo Naylor? I don't think so. I think they'd have to protect him. I think where it gets really interesting is like, what shortstops do the Indians leave? Because you well, know, in their minor league system, they got about eighteen of them. Yeah, and, and teams with the problem with expansion is you have to think when you draft these players, you're only given thirty-five. You still have to form a team. And so now you can go out and sign all these players. I think it was Arizona. I think it might have been Arizona who, when they did this, they went out and gave some pretty big contracts to free agents. And they had to, and they lured these guys to their city to come play. Yeah, and I so, think that's what happened with Randy Johnson, right? Or did remember. he get traded? 
I don't remember that one. I know they basically had to lure some guys, so they kind of overpaid a few players. It worked out for them because they got those guys into their system. But these expansions have to take have to balance out future and current. Yeah. And then uh, I think it's the next two drafts. The expansion teams are given two of the top picks or a top pick each. I don't remember if it's the first overall pick. Or I, I think they I think they get basically the first and or no they they get an extra pick after the first round and second round I think I think it's okay. one extra pick per first two rounds. Sure. Yeah. They might even I I want to say in that year they're founded they even get the first however many teams get the top pick as well. But I may be wrong on that. Remember it. I, I, I think it's I, I don't think they get the top pick. I think that's still reserved for the bottom of the year before. Um I, I think they get I think what it is is they get their picks before the competitive balance round. Okay. So basically you go through the top thirty and then or well the top thirty two, because technically they would get a pick in there mm-hmm. and then they pick before the competitive balance round. Right. And then you get all your teams like the Cardinals and the the Royals and all the other small market teams that get an extra pick there. Um, And then it might happen again in the second round. Or maybe it's the first round year one and the second round year two. I don't exactly remember. Yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I know they get buffed up a bit with their draft, which they need to be. I mean, they have literally no minor leaguers. Yeah, so obviously so, you're going to try and give them some of the better prospects to potentially build the contenders sooner. What's actually interesting about this, which I didn't even think about before, was in a normal year you got you had a 40-round draft. Well, now they've cut the draft in, what, half? And you can only draft 20 players now instead of 40? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Granted, a lot of forty round drafts were wasted picks anyway because right, there weren't enough baseball players around. A bit. Yeah, but there's always still undrafted free agents even at that point. Yeah. So I mean you'll you'll still get it, but um I think ultimately they actually have a better chance to get better players if it's a twenty round draft because they could get more of the higher level undrafted free agents to stock their team. Yeah, it might. And they obviously don't really have to have a signing bonus if they're an undrafted free agent. So Alright, um, so all of the uh, expansion draft information brought to you by Wikipedia. Your source for the best information. Or the information that is potentially edited by literally anybody in their basement. You should probably check the sources on it to verify your information. Dude, I could do this whole advertisement reading. I think I'm good at it. Um, Alright, so... We could go on for hours about expansion, relocation. I think that's really about as much as we could get in an hour and ten before we start blowing people's brains. So <laughs> I know we blew my brain about 25 minutes ago. So <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to our final segment of the day. Let me find it here. We are, uh, you're going to have to excuse my online stopwatch with the advertisements. I don't pay for the good one. We're going to try a new little thing here that I call Pitch Clock. So this is me going on mute. Matthew, you get five minutes from the time that I say go to 
prove or to convince me of whatever the thesis you have brought to the episode. Convince me that you're right. What is your topic before we start? So I'm not going to have to convince you of anything because you know I'm right. But this is going to be my time to rant, I think. And I'm going to rant about the Cleveland Indians. All right. You got five minutes. Ready? Okay. Let's uh, do this. I think I have it set as a countdown. If it starts counting up, we'll take a minute. Go. All right. So I cannot for the life of me figure out why how the Indians are 21 and 17. They have to be the most overachieving team in baseball. They have pretty much four players leading their entire team right now. And only one of those is on offense. Uh, Jose Ramirez is the only offensive player they have. And pitching-wise, really, they're only led by their bullpen in Shaw, Karinczak, and Class A. Bieber is not the level he was at last year which is not surprising. I mean, he was Hall of Fame level last year. He's still good, better than most, but he's slowing down. So I go in positions here. First base. I don't know when this crap is going to end. They have a 32 WRC+, plus, um, which is weighted runs created. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Mason. I'm going to assume no comment means yes. Um, yeah, it's that, park adjusted uh, weighted runs created averaged it, on the 100 a, scale. Yep. So 100 is league average and our first baseman have combined for 32. Well, well below average. Um, it absolutely pains me that Yandy Diaz is over there playing for Tampa Bay. And we have Jake Bowers on our lineup instead. That is just incredibly disappointing. Not that Yandi is this star, but to the Indians, he might as well be a Hall of Fame first baseman. Um, Bowers has currently a minus 0.4 war uh, and actually a below average fielder. And our other side of the platoon, Yu Chang, somehow has been worth minus 0.7 war in just 54 plate appearances. Not quite sure how you can be that bad. I think I could do better than that. So I, I cannot figure out where Bobby Bradley is. Like, is he that much worse of a player? And where is, why is Josh Naylor not playing uh, first base, which is his natural position? Also, Mason, the timer stopped. So I have no idea. Oh, there it goes. Um, Jimenez is a stud fielder at shortstop. But he can't hit. And anyone that doesn't know, he skipped double A with the Mets last year and jumped straight into the lineup because Rosario is a terrible fielder. And uh, so that happened. And the Indians kept him up there because without him, the lineup is a mess. Um, or not the lineup is a mess. The trade is a mess and a loss, basically, for them. Uh so somehow I still don't know how Jimenez has been worth 0.2 WAR in a five with a 5.30 OPS. Can't figure that one out. Um, Rosario is a league average player with an OPS of 600. Still don't know that one. Uh, 
But what I can't figure out is why Jimenez is still up in the majors if they're just going to platoon him with Rosario. So the Indians have a prospect in the minors right now, Owen Miller, who went one for four yesterday, dropping his average from 500 to 477 on the season. Um, and it's only – it's got to be – they have to bring him up. I mean, th- what he can do for the team is crazy. I mean, he can play anywhere in the infield. First base and shortstop are unfortunately his worst positions, but his offensive capability is significantly better uh, than what he can provide defensively. Then the other part, other player is Gabriel Arias, who actually is in his first year above high A. He's another, he's another shortstop at the Indians, shocker. Um, and uh, he can, uh, so he's still young and still hasn't played much, but he can, he could be another big contributor. And actually the interesting thing is if the Indians bring up both Miller and Arias, they would have five players from the Mike Clevenger deal in the, on their major league team. Um, the outfield is just a black hole. Everyone sucks. Eddie Rosario is supposed to be the big signing and he can't hit. Luplo is on pace to have about a third of his hits be home runs. Naylor, we talked about him earlier with that acrobatic gold glove caliber catch in right field, but his bat's too light right now, and they need a shakeup. No, I'm out of time. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to propose my lineup changes really quickly, and then I'll be done. All right. Josh Naylor's going to move to first base. All right. Um, Owen Miller will be recalled, and he will be our starting shortstop with Rosario as the sub when needed. Jimenez will be sent down to AAA. Bowers can be released and thrown out of the state. Daniel Johnson will be recalled and see if he can get more than eight plate appearances to prove he's worthwhile staying in the majors. And those are the changes that the Indians will make because they're the Indians and they will not shake things up too much, but they will be what shakes up the team enough to get going. Makes sense. I appreciated your rant. I did have a couple questions about it. So one, yes. Gabriel Arias, um, double A, triple A. Nope, he's triple A. He skipped double A. All right. So where's Jose Tena? Double A. Okay, because I know he hit three home runs this week, right? Yes, he is on a tear. Arias, Arias. All right. He Arias? actually is on a six-game hit streak. Okay. So that's good to him. He started off a little slow, but he's got about a 900 OPS right now in triple uh, A. And I, I don't think he will be up yet he might be up towards the end of the year but like i said it's his first action above high a it's hard to be thrown into the majors then i mean it's one thing to skip triple a or something or skip double a but it's another thing to basically go straight from high a to the majors yeah it's worked out a couple times with pitchers but for position players no like with with pitchers with pitchers it's usually guys that are high velocity effectively wild Uh, I think Garrett Crochet was the first guy to skip the minors entirely in a while. Uh, He did it last year. He was drafted, debuted. Um, But I think Jordan Hicks, Johan Oviedo, I know there's some for other teams, but quite frankly, I won't remember who they are. Yeah. No, I think you're pretty much right on point there. With shortstops, it's not going to happen. There's too much development that happens in those higher levels. So agreed. So it's just why Miller is the most proven hitter in the minors there and ready to I'll take the defensive hit and let him yeah. just hit. Makes sense. 
All right. Well, I think that is all we've got for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Matthew, thank you very much for stepping in for Gowie. Um, uh, I appreciated it. Um, you did a great job. I will definitely have you back. Sometime we'll get you, me, and Gowie all on at the same time. Definitely. So excited for that. All right. Cool. Well, um, any last closing thoughts? I don't think so. No? I think we hit on a lot of different topics today. All right. My closing thought, Matt Carpenter converted to pitcher. Let's do it. Uh, if you haven't already, um, if you enjoyed our video, please um, uh, follow us on Twitch. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, like us on Twitter and follow us on Facebook. And we would greatly appreciate it. We are slowly but surely growing uh, this podcast. And likes are free. They cost you nothing. Um, so we very much appreciate the support. Uh, and just thank you for watching even if you don't do those things. Uh, this is something that I know Gowie and I are uh, very um, appreciative of anyone who watches us. We get a lot of enjoyment out of this, and so if anyone else gets enjoyment out of it, that's good enough for us. Um, so once again, Matthew, thank you. Um, I will be shouting you out on social media if that's okay with you. Go for it. All right. Um, and you guys all have a great evening.